If you're in the military and there's, and there's people, there's men and women today that on the front line, they put themselves there between those that would, uh, that would actually destroy our way of life and our freedoms that we enjoy. But the military is not the most dangerous place to be if you're an American today. And, you know, I thought about, I thought about the, the inner cities. Man, I, every weekend, you, you, they're tired of hearing it. As a matter of fact, it's got so mundane. In Chicago and in other cities, of the, of the number of shootings and murders every weekend. And the, the crime is, is, seems like sometimes it seems like the, that evil has taken over there. Just uh, read this week and saw this week, you saw a shooting in a Walmart. Now, yeah, I like Walmart, but, uh, and then two weeks ago, was it two or three weeks ago? Now there was a shooting in a church. Uh, everywhere you go, there's, there's, it's crazy. But that's not the most dangerous place to be if you're an American. We've got the, we've got the terrorist and, and I think of these other places, sometimes it's so dangerous, we, they send Americans out. But that's not the most dangerous place to be. If you're in America today, the most dangerous place to be is if you're an unborn child and in the womb of a mom that don't want you. Uh, 47 years ago, this coming Wednesday, January 22nd, 1973. Now, I, I love this first service. How many of you guys are... 46 years old or younger. Stick your paws up. Hold them. Be proud of it. 46 years old. Come on, put them up. Raise your hands. 46 years or younger. David, get yours down. All right. All right. There's several. All you guys have lived uh, where abortion has been, the law of the land has been legal in the United States. But there are many of us that remember back before 1973. Um, and since then, I just want you to tell you, I, I, I want to share some uh, statistics. Uh, last year, according to World Health Organization, last year, the leading cause of death worldwide was abortions. Killing between 40 and 50 million unborn children. In, 19, since in our country, in, our, in the United States, since 1973, I hope, hope you kind of get a grip. Since 1973, Craig, you got this slide. Um, by, this is by a surgical abortion, legalized abortion since 1973. The number of babies killed would equal the population of all these states that are darkened. We've wiped out the entire population of all those states, legally, in the last 47 years. Now, to understand, and, and I appreciate, if there is good news in the midst of all this, and there is some, and I, the, the, around 1990, and a lot, of, a lot of guys in our church, you, you've been involved uh, ever since I've been pastor, and probably before, but you've been involved in and standing up and standing in the gap and standing between. Many of you were instrumental in helping establish the first crisis pregnancy center uh, here in Union County. Uh, several of you, uh, some of you went with Barbie and Paige. Paige was just a young teenager. And they went to Washington, D.C. Uh, for the uh, Right to Life March in Washington, D.C. Over a million people there. Many of you, and I had the privilege of doing this, have been in Atlanta at our capital on January the 22nd when we had prayer vigils and, and walked uh, 
in, uh, in recognition and, and walk for those who have been taken to stand up and to try to make a difference. In 19, early 1990s, the high of, of recorded abortion in the United States, it reached a peak at around 1.6, a little over 1.6 million babies that year. But the good news is that last year in 2019, in the United States, there was only a little over 600,000 recorded abortions. That's, that's down a million. And I think a lot of that has got, has got to do with a change of attitude, I, I pray. I think a lot of it may have to do with, with Christians that are being informed and are standing up and, and sharing and taking a stand and said, hey, there's a reason. Maybe a lot of that's got to do with these, with these pregnancy centers that are pro-life and that, and that uh, help, them, help the, the, the moms and the dads see uh, this baby. But whatever the reason, that's great. But I want to tell you, one is too many. One's too many. It's my last opportunity to speak on a uh, Right to Life Sunday. And uh, I wanted to do that. I want to talk about how valuable life is. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I do this very... Uh, I, I just prayed. I've been praying. I said, Lord, you, you know... Uh, I can't stand and talk on this subject without you help me. But it's one of those things that uh, I, I begin to hear babies crying. And I begin to hear babies crying from the womb. And I, and I had to say, Lord, please stop. I, I got what you're telling me. Stop. I, I, there's something about babies crying in me. I, I, I can't handle it, okay? If I hear a baby cry, I want to go do something. And Barbie knows this. Now, I've got, I've got more mature, okay, as I've got older. I don't know about older. And now I can understand. I, I, we, I hear some babies crying. I know they're just mad. And I'm just like, ignore it. It'll go away. Barbie's taught me that, you know? But, but, but babies, I had a tough time. She'll tell you. When our, when our probably, there's probably... First service, I said it was probably Zach, but I'm going to say it's probably Paige. It's probably our first, first kid. Because Barbie had to raise that first baby, and she kind of had to train me at the same time. But, um, you know, I mean, and, and I guess kids, babies, some babies, the term is fight sleep. You know what I mean? I mean, they're so tired and worn out, and they need to take a nap and go down, and they just won't do it. They won't stay awake. Now, it's interesting to me. Babies fight, fight to, to keep them sleeping. As we get older, I'd fight to sleep, man. You been, you know, I've been those times, I said, Barbie, if I had it, I'd just give $20 just to close my eyes for, for five minutes. You know? Kindergarten. I can remember in kindergarten. I didn't have kindergarten, but I remember first grade. I remember first grade, and, and they had nap time every day after lunch. And they'd make you lay down on the, on the pad or a mat or something, you know. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, they made us do that. And now I'm thinking, where is one at that I could just get down on? You know? <laughs> But I, I, baby's crying. And so one of our, our page, our firstborn had got to, uh, had got to this point where she was fighting, fighting sleep. And when one day Barbie said, you know, I, Jerry, I can't, she, she wants me to get her up and rock her. I've rocked her. I've walked her. And she just needs to learn to go to sleep. She's, she's fine. She don't need changing. She's got a bottle and she needs to go to sleep. You need to leave the house. <laughs> 
Barbie, this is true in it. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Now, somebody one day said, I can't believe what you said. I can't believe you said that. And Barbie said, well, you can probably believe everything he says behind the pulpit, but but you're on your own after that. Uh, but, but, but this is the truth. She said, you need to leave the house. Because she was putting Paige in the, in the, where she takes her nap. I think it was maybe in the playpen or something. It may have been in the, in the bed there. And, um, and, and she was just making sure everything was all right. But she was going to let her cry it out and go to sleep. And so I, I did. I left the house. But I didn't. I just went outside. And I could still hear the Paige crying. And, I, and man, I, it is everything. And I said, I knew if I went back in there, it would, wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good for me. It wouldn't be good for Paige. Barbie was right. So I, I, I had to get out of earshot. I had to get out of the sound. We can't afford to get out of the sound of the cries of the unborn. And I'm afraid we may have done that. But I know we can't handle it all. I say, Lord... You know, you're going to have to kind of, let me, let me share. From, from the very moment of conception, and we got Katie over here, about three weeks, she's looking so beautiful, pregnant, Bo's trying to be like, no, he can't. But uh, from the moment of conception, my understanding is that the, uh, the, the mom's ovum has 23 chromosomes. And the dad's sperm has 23 chromosomes. And from the, the moment of fertilization, that new life, that new egg has 46 chromosomes. And that's, that's the complete number of, of, of a normal adult. You know, that's the complete number. At that moment, all the information, all the physical characteristics for life, what color our hair is going to be, what color our eyes going to be, when our hair is going to fall out, I'm, all these things are there. You know, they're there. They're, they're, they're complete. There's no more new information that's going to be added. It's life. We, uh, we Christians have not done, now we do, we've done a great job in a lot of areas, but we've, one area where we, we don't do a good job is oftentimes we let the enemy d- dictate terminology. Okay? Because I just don't like the, ter- the term pro-choice. If it's pro-choice and pro-life, it should be pro-life and pro-death. You know? I mean, the choice is involved a long time before that. It's, 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 it's that. And I believe, this is your help. I believe that the Roe versus Wade decision 47 years ago, this coming Wednesday, has done more to damage the sanctity of life and the value of our life and the culture in our country, possibly than any other single decision that's ever been made by our government. I believe it's contributed to what I call the culture of death. The cheapening of life. I remember being, and I've shared this with you, I remember being in in a meeting in Gainesville, Georgia, of, of school counselors. And I remember, this was, Early 70s. This was before Roe versus Wade. And I remember being in this meeting. We had, they had great credential leaders came in and telling us to get behind and encourage everybody to get behind this legislation because the leading cause of child abuse in this country was unwanted pregnancies. So that if we could 
If, if we could be sure that every baby that was born was a wanted baby, we would eliminate child abuse within five years. I was in a meeting. I heard it. I listened to the people. I listened to that. And it was, it was not only just Gainesville in Georgia. That was, that was across this country. Well, it happened. And let me ask you a question. We're 47 years out. You know what's happened to child abuse? The numbers had not got less. It's exploded. Not only with child abuse, but with, with this, these, these brutal, inhumane murders. And you hear about this, you read about them, and, I, and sometimes I'll, I'll see the headlines and I'll think, I can't go there, I can't do it. It's, it's just, it's demonic. It's not natural. You know, you may get mad and, you know, you do something, but, but to see the brutality. And I believe it goes back to the cheapening of life. The devaluing of that which God placed a high value on. He is the giver of life. And all life is important to him. And when we begin to cheapen that and to demean that, well, there's a battle that continues today. It's a battle. We see it. It, 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 We see it played out. But I want to tell you, God help us. It's not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's not a political issue. It is a biblical issue. And to, and to, and to, to, to let you know that, that that's just not Jerry Helton's opinion, I want you to go with me to Psalm 139 in God's Word because God is the creator. God is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. And if there is an authoritative voice on the issue of life, it's his voice. It's not a politician's. It's not, a, it's not anyone else. It's not someone of, of, a, of choice. It's his voice. So go with me, if you will, to Psalms 139. Now, I've asked Craig. I didn't, didn't have his first service, but it was, it's, it's good. So I've, just, I've asked him to... Um, to put this on the board, Psalm 139 is a song that David wrote for the choir, okay? And, it, and it's, got, it's got four stanzas of six, and, and, the, and, our, and the reading, it's broken up into every six verses is a stanza of that song. And it's a song about life. It's a song about life. So I've asked Craig to put it in the, in the New Living because it, I just think I love what it says here. Let's read the first six verses. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of David. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even before I'm getting ready to think them. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before the words come out of my mouth, Lord. You go before me. And you follow me? You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. What do, we, what do we call this when God knows everything? Omniscience. Bill, God, you, you know everything. Now, now, we like the fact that we know he knows when we're in a jam. He knows when we're in a mess. He knows when we're going through hardships. He knows when we're going through trials. He knows when we're facing fears. And he does. And he ministers. But he knows everything. He knows everything about us. And David comes to this realization. You, he knows all about us. 
He knows everything. But there's more. Let's look at the next seven verses. Next six verses. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I, I can't ever get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines just like day and darkness and light are the same to you. Wow. What do we call this when God's everywhere, it can be everywhere at the same time? Omnipresence. Omnipresence. We prayed. Mike prayed. I love this every Sunday when our elders pray, and they pray for our neighboring churches. And yeah, it was awesome this weekend. Uh, it's, it's neat. And the pastor, somebody came up to me uh, this morning and said, you know what? You don't have to go to, to bring in somebody from California to have great speakers. Man, those guys hit a ball out of the park. You know, those pastors, it's great. And I love that when we, when we pray for our neighboring churches. And yes, his Holy Spirit is there. His Holy Spirit is here. His Holy Spirit are gathered yeah, where his people are. Wherever an individual is that knows the Lord, that has the Holy Spirit, he's there. He's everywhere. You can't get away from him. David said, you know all about me. You're everywhere I go. Let's take a look at the next verse. Start in verse 13. Now, verse 13 gets pretty, starts getting pretty excited. David said, my maker knows me. My, my maker's wherever I am. And we get to verse 13. Look, look what he says about his maker. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together. I, I get this picture. I, you knit me, knit me together in my mother's room. Let's do the next verse. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Man, I know that. All right, hang on, hang on a second. Because we, we, how many, how many, we got knitters in here. How many of y'all knit? Man, if you knit too. Stick your hands up. I want to see. How many knit? All right, good. How many, how many, and I know this, we got some quilters in here. How many quilters do we have? Hands up. Yes. Last year, just a few months ago, we had a, Craig, we had the quilting, quilt show out here. And we had, we had some winners from here. And I mean, there were hundreds of quilts. And I walked through there, and, and some of those quilts, they were showing me one, and they said, now, now this one, I've worked on for over a year. Now, I didn't work on it every day, obviously, but I looked at this, and, I, and, I, and they sold for hundreds of dollars. And not only that, I, you know, I'm used to a quilt pulling me up over to keep me warm. Forget that. Not these quilts. You can go buy a blanket from Walmart to keep you warm, you know, one of the machine-made things. These quilts... Are, they would, but they're, but man, they're, they're too, they show too much workmanship. You, you look at them and you marvel and you see the pride of the person who done it. You see the, how exact, you see the, the standards and the quality, and it's a reflection of them. And every time I think about how God made us, each one of us, every one of us, now mom Growing up, mom and, and grandma, they would make quilts out of scraps. Mom sold, and when she had a piece of cloth, you know, she would, she would put it back if it's big enough. She'd save it back. And then when she had what she thought was enough, she would cut out quilt pieces. And then they'd sew them together from scraps. They want none of these quilts out at the quilt show from scraps. 
you're not from scraps. I don't know. Guys, just just a lump of clay in, in God's hand, you know, just a clod that is fashioned. But every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. God designed you. That's why I have so I have a hard. There's so many things that I don't don't want to go there, but but people, you know, this gender thing. That's crazy. That's just crazy as it can be. It it is. What we're saying when somebody says that, God made a mistake with me, and I want to tell you, if God made a mistake with your sex and with your gender, how can you trust Him with your eternal soul? Get over it. Suck it up. Become who God created you to be. You know, become that. Become that. David says, he has knit us together and is a beautiful, beautiful patchwork. I ain't seen many ugly babies. I, some are more prettier than others. Ours happen to be the two prettiest ones that I've ever seen. Uh, and you, you, you probably feel the same way. God love my sister, Janie. She's the prettiest one in our family. She's the sweetest one in our family. But, uh, you know, she overcome a lot of obstacles because I can still hear Mama telling the story. When Janie was born, Mama said she was hairy like a little monkey and she was ugly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she, when people would come to see the baby, she would hide her. Uh, she overgrew that. She, out, she outgrew that. She overcome it. <laughs> but we're all... Knit together. Let's, let's, he's made us wonderfully. Let's continue looking at this. He said, you washed me when I was being formed in, in the utter seclusion of the womb. As I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. What is it? God was there. Let me ask, do you think that the Holy Spirit of God is with a baby in the womb? Now think about this. Huh? Yeah. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at this. But not only this. You remember, this, you remember when Mary came to visit Elizabeth? Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary goes up, to, to Mary goes up and says, you know, how you doing, Elizabeth? And whatever. And what does Scripture tell us what happened to the baby? Yeah, that baby just started doing dinos, you know, kicking, rejoicing. Katie, a while ago, I, I said, man, is this thing moved? She said, oh. And she said, if anybody lays their hand there, he gets, he's, it's a he, right, Katie? She said, he moves away. Now, I, I, I love this. Some of you, and I, and I know this, I know it from, from, from Barbie, but, but many of you have, when you've been pregnant and you've, you've come to the church search and the choir sings, are you hearing good, you're hearing Christ, uh, good gospel music or Christian music on the radio? And I've had you say, this baby loves music. They, they, they get active. They move. Well, listen, God, he says he was there. You saw you saw me when I was, bit. you knit me together. You were there. He's there. He's not waiting to when that baby takes a first breath of natural air and to come into him then when he gets spanked on the bottom. And God said, oh, I better hurry and get down. No. He's there when life begins. God is there. Now let that sink in. He said, you saw me. Even before I was born, every day of my life, was recorded in your book. Let me ask you, what right does anyone have 
to tear that page out of God's book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They can't be numbered. I, I can't even count. They're more than the grains of sand on the seashore. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Now, we, we talked about God's omniscience. He knows everything. He knows us. He knows all about us, and he loves us. Who else could do that? You know? He knows everything. And we can't hide from him. Wherever we go, he's there. He don't just wait and say, okay, I'm going to see who's in church this Sunday. He knows where you are when you're not here. You know? He knows what we're doing. And we call that his omnipresence. He's with us everywhere. He knows everything. He's omniscient. But now David said, hey, you knitted me together. You formed me. You put this DNA there. It takes the most powerful person or powerful being. It takes more power than we can imagine. We call that his omnipotence. God did that. God did that. God's the giver of life. God's the sustainer of life. His omnipotence, his omniscience, and his omnipresence. Well, someone asked me at the first service, we'd finish up these last six verses, last stanza of this song. And they said, what was it in that? I said, I have no idea. I couldn't come up with anything else. But I, all I know is that we read through this is, is look at what happens at the end. Verse 19. God, if you would destroy the wicked, get, get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme your, your, you. Your enemies misuse your name. Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, hate them with a total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. And then David comes to the last two verses here of the song that he's writing. Now, he's just talked about that God's created him, that God knows all about him, that God's everywhere he goes. That God, he's talking about this awesomeness of God. And now David says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. And, and uh, know my thoughts, any of my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of life everlasting. Now, just a, a couple, three thoughts here. Sobering thoughts about truth, saving, life-saving truth. Life is precious. Two people don't Start life. It's not just the results of sexual intercourse. Life is a gift of God. He determines life. Life is precious. All life is precious. Today we are seeing those that are trying to place a value on human life. And they, now there's, there's the, even, the, even the thoughts with, with some insurance is another thing that you reach a certain age and they deem that you're really not valuable enough to do this procedure on because why waste this procedure on you? You may not have enough years left to do that. There's a value that the world's places on life will look at them. They've got, they've got, this, they've got this great potential. Well, you haven't got so much potential. Listen to me. As we read Scripture, one thing becomes very, very, very clear. As we read this chapter, it is unmistakably clear. God created you unique and special. 
and he loves you. And, he, and, and as he created you, he didn't love you any less or any more than the one sitting next to you or the one sitting up front. He loves you. And life is precious. All life is precious. And we need to value our life every day that God gives us. Mike was talking about uh, sitting at the, at the birthday table yesterday. Judy Kurtz had a birthday yesterday. Is it yesterday, Judy? So you and Judy are the same age. She's 29. She told me she was 29. So that's, that's pretty neat. Okay? As you, every day, value that day. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. If you're, you know, and if you're able to, to, to get up, get up. If you're not, praise him where you are. Praise him where you are. It's a gift from God. Second thing is that God has a plan for every life. Every life. You know, sometimes we talk about unplanned pregnancies, and, and that can happen. And there's probably several of us here this morning that are, uh, we weren't planned on by our mom or dad, you know. And, uh, but God didn't make us think, oh my gosh, I forgot. I wasn't paying attention over here while this happened. No. No. We can trust him. We can trust him. Every week here, we talk about trusting the Lord for our salvation. Trust in the Lord to, that if we believe in Christ, he will take away our sins. He will send his Holy Spirit to live within us. And he will help us walk out this Christian life. Matter of fact, he'll walk it out for us if we'll just be available to him. Okay, that's Galatians 2.20. And we trust him with that, but we can't trust him with this. Sure we can. He has a plan for everything. And ministering to those who have been hurt and wounded by abortion is a very, very, very critical ministry that as believers, we've got to do. Many of you, there's many in here who have had abortions. Many of you have struggled with that. Some was before you knew. I mean, technology has got so, it's, 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 it's amazing what they, the doctors can know now. I remember reading Many years ago, I remember getting going and, and pulling up the original Roe versus Wade uh, decision and what was taken into consideration in the arguments both ways in that. And one of the one of the arguments was, we're just this is not a human, this is not a baby. So they changed the terminology again. We let them do this, right? That that what we're getting rid of, rid of inside the womb is not a baby. It's Fetal tissue. It's a, a blob of, of, of it's something, it's, it's something that's foreign that's there, and we're just, we're just removing that. And I remember reading the, the original thing, and the, the original decision that would come down, and there was a part in there that said, but if and when it's ever determined that this is a living, that this is life, then this decision will need to be re- I don't even know the word adjudicated, but re-examined on that. Well, what happened? It's like so many other laws. It doesn't matter that it's, uh, it, you know, when, when the technology got, now they're doing surgeries on unborn babies. Now we know that unborn babies feel pain. They move, they hear, they have they, all this thing. We, I mean, technology has got so, it's amazing. It's amazing what they can do. 
But there was a time when we didn't have all that technology. But there's people, there's people in here, and many, and I'll just say this, every one of us in here, every person in here has been affected in different ways. Some in our family, maybe some of us, some loved ones, and they've been affected in different ways. And as Christians, we are called to love and to minister, and we are called to, to say there is healing for every one of us. There is healing for the most wounded and the most damaged. And that healing is in Christ and in his love. And it should also be in the love of his people. Don't you dare be judgmental when someone said, oh, so-and-so, they had an abortion. Let it wound you. Let it break your heart. But know this. That wasn't an easy decision for them either. And you need to love them. You need to let them know that God loves them not because of what they've done. God don't love you or me because of what we do. If he did, my goodness, there'd be more times he didn't love me than he does. Okay? But, 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 but Christians and a church, I've had people say to me, Jerry, I need to share this with you. And they share their heart and they say, but I, I can't. I've had some say, I can't tell the person I'm going to marry because if they knew that they, they, they might not love me oh wow oh wow and the sad thing is it may be true but I've had people share with me and say Jerry I, please if people in church knew this they'd look at me differently and that grieves my heart If you want to look at somebody differently, look at me. Because I've done enough and messed up enough and call it what it is, I've sinned enough in my life that if you want to look at somebody and say, oh my goodness, they're a mess, look at me. But you look at that young woman or you look at that older woman and you look at that father and you let it, you love them. You love them. Life is precious. God has a plan for every life. And it's time that we as Christians really got saltier and more light when it comes in our culture in regards to life. We don't need to be intimidated by the loud and boisterous pro-death group. And and let me just share this. Don't let... And I'm going to say this in love. Don't let ignorant or wishy-washy Christians, okay, say to you that this issue is a political issue. We need to stay out of it. Let me tell you something. God calls on his people to stay in the middle of it and to stand up for his values and stand up for his truth. And we can do that without being obnoxious. We can do that by being loving. We can do that if we hear the cries. Well, let's close with a verse from John 10, 10. I love this. Look at John 10, 10. Jesus says, the enemy. We know the enemy, that's uh, uh, the thief. That's, our, that's Satan, right? 
The thief has got one plan. He's talking about the, the thief of our, he says, to comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's, that's basically Satan's uh, modus operandi. Is that it? I, I, that's not like, that's not like the, word, the word thing that's on the coin, right? Eunice, public, whatever that is. Out of many one, that's not that. Modus operandi means that, that's kind of his way he does stuff, Right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's basically all Satan has to offer. Now, he wraps it up in different looking packages, and he can make this stuff look good while he's doing this. But I love this. And, and this verse reminds me of, of Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Romans 6, 23, he said, hey, because this is, this is, this is, this is consequences right here. But there's, a, there's, there's this over here that God's offering. And it really is everlasting life. And I love this. The thief comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said he came, what? That we might have life and that they might have it, what? More abundantly. Now, to me, that's just like, that's just like saying, and a bunch of it, good life, life worth living. Jesus came so that you and I would, would have a life worth living. And it's his life living through us. It's letting him do it. Christian, we shared this this weekend. It was a good men's conference. I really liked it. And uh, somebody said that the Christian life is not me working hard to be as good as I can be. You can forget that stuff. That is religion, and that will wear you out, and you will be a bummer. Of course, I'm looking for, uh, uh, I'm looking for Jake. Is Jake here this morning? He's probably home studying for his lesson. One of the things we looked at in the, in the, in the Colossians, he gave us this stuff, and one of the guys in there said, as a young Christian, man, as a young Christian, he, he set out to get as close to God as he could. He quit watching ball games. He loved, he loved ball games. He quit going to any ball games and quit watching any ball games. He thought TV was robbing, so he got rid of his TV. A lot of the music and a lot of stuff he read, he got rid of everything to try to get closer to God. And said he was miserable. <laughs> Just think about all the ball games he missed. Dad, gum you dummy. Listen to me. We can do that, can't we? We can say, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get real close to you. You know what he wants? He's done everything to draw us close to him. Now, I'm not saying... That if God tells you to get rid of something, you get rid of it, man. Don't argue with him. But don't try to make him happy by doing stuff. You know what makes him happiest? When we just come to him and love him and let him love us. It's about life. And it's about living life for him. I got to close now, I guess. Father, as we come into your presence this morning... As we've been in your presence, Lord, and realizing that just as David wrote this song for the choir, it's so true. It's so true this morning, January the 19th, the year 2020, and we're here, and you're here. And you know everything still. You know everything about us. You know everything not only about every one of us individually, but you know everything about everything. Wow. And Lord... We're your creation. We're your masterpiece. That's what Ephesians says. 
We're your workmanship. You did it. Lord, help us to relax in you and let you be all that you've designed to be and planned to be in our lives. And Lord, in the midst of that, help us to be the most loving people because we know how much you've loved us. Help us, Lord. Help me to maybe be a little bit less aggravated and less judgmental. Maybe be, be a little bit more broken when tough things happen like this. Lord, help me to allow you to change my heart, as David says, and not only my heart, but my mind, the way I think. And may your word guide me in that. And Lord, for those this morning that are, that, that are here and have been healed, Lord, and the message would be, he can, he can do this, he can heal you, he's healed me of the hurt, of the wound, of the scars that are there. But every one of the scars was a reminder of how much he loves me. Thank you for that. Thank you that you're a God that loves us. And you expect us and desire, and it pleases you a lot when we love each other with your love. Now, Father, if there's those here that's never really just come to you and said, oh, I need healing with this. Not it may be about the abortion issue. It may be about life issues. Boy, we can... We can really make choices that have consequences that we really haven't looked that far down the road. But you're there. And we don't have to go on and, and punish ourselves and suffer. There may be consequences, and I understand that. But Lord, we can come to you and we can receive your forgiveness. And not only your forgiveness, but you picking us up, dusting us off, walking with us do that this morning for those that need that if you're here and that's you ask him he's there he's waiting on this and Lord there may be those this morning that are here that have never accepted you as their savior they, they like what they hear and the idea that you could change things and their idea you could change them maybe it just seems like a fairy tale or a dream but but they would hope it's true and they'd wish it's true. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would grip their hearts and would say not only come to me, but run to me because I can. I know you. I love you. I know what you've done. I love you. I know where you've been. I love you. And I want to offer you my peace, my forgiveness. I want to offer you my life. Live it. Let me live through you. You quit trying and you just make yourself available to me and let me live it through you. You just do what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, the way I tell you to do it. And we're going to go through this thing because you desire us to be with you. Lord, you've created us for eternity. When you breathe into that first man, Adam, and you breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, Scripture says he became a living soul. So, Lord, you created life to be eternal. And it is. And you desire and designed that we can spend it with you. After these bodies wear out, we can be with you in a place you've prepared for us. 
Lord, how it grieves your heart when those refuse this gift. And you know that it's by doing that, they're choosing to spend eternity separated from you in a place that was never prepared for people. The place we call him. Dear Lord Jesus, help us value life. Help us. We can, may not can change 600,000, Lord, but maybe there's one. difference with let us see those let us be there let you be there through us in Christ I pray Amen